Hey, BSN listeners, as we do a lot on the BSN Nuggets podcast, got to start off with telling you guys about StravaCraft Coffee. StravaCraft Coffee is a game-changing coffee. It's the CBD-enriched coffee that has really changed lives. Their reviews are incredible, so make sure you check them out. This CBD-infused coffee has taken away everything from long-term migraines to back pain and arthritis, IBS. It has helped to decrease anxiety. You name it. CBD is all natural and not psychoactive. The coffee is also just flat out rich and tasty, and we couldn't recommend it anymore to our listeners. Check it out for yourself today, and you can receive 20% off when you use the code BSN2019 at checkout, and you'll get it shipped straight to your door. What's going on, guys? Welcome into a brand new edition of the BSN Nuggets podcast. As always, presented by The Green Solution. You guys, visit any one of their 17 Colorado locations, or you can even browse their entire inventory online at mygreensolution.com. Reserve products online and pick up at your local TDS Express checkout, where you'll be in and out in minutes. And if you use code BSN20, you can get 20% off your entire purchase. Harrison went here on a Tuesday, joined across the table in the BSN Denver studios again, surrounded by a lot of mics and podcast equipment. Andre Simone of really everything at BSN Denver. I don't even know how to introduce you anymore. I'm just of BSN Denver. That's it. That's uh, that's all you got to say now. Well, a lot planned on today's show. Um, a cool little topic I thought we could at least start with because I posed the question to you when we sat down here. Yeah. What's the one burning question you have about this team right now as we're into really the dog days of the summer? A lot of the big moves in for agency are done for sure. Really, most of them, if not all. Maybe a couple trades could happen. Maybe a yeah. Bradley Beal trade. Oof. Maybe not to Denver, maybe to somewhere. But it'd be lovely if he could stay in the East. I think yes. we're, we have enough talent in the West. Please, yeah. please stay in the East, yes. Bradley. Uh, I asked you, what is the one burning question you have about this team mm-hmm. heading into next season, kind of from a high-level view? And you said... Yeah, I've, what, we do at, what the Nuggets do at the three spot is kind of seems to be the biggest question for me and for my, you know, the peeps I talk Nuggets with. Mm-hmm. And I was surprised you agreed. I always think I'm going to surprise you with something, <laughs> and you are just so deep into the Nuggets World 365 that you've heard it all. Well, it's just like a lot about this team is decided. We know who's fair. We know who four, yeah. and I think we know who five of the five starters are going to be. We'll talk about that in a second. But fair point. Yeah, everybody's pretty confident about four of the five starters. Mm-hmm. We know what they're going to do on offense. We know what they're going to do on defense. I feel like we know what Jeremy Grant is going to do, even though he's never been in a Nuggets jersey before because he's such a seamless fit. We know pretty much what the rotation is going to be. We've beaten the Michael Porter Jr. (laughs) drum to death, which is also a burning question, but we'll talk about him a little more. I just think there's a lot of things that are decided already. I hear you. I hear you. Well... Maybe I can bring some fresh perspective. Maybe this time I will surprise you with some take somehow. So what I want to do, at least over the first part of today's show, I want to kind of give the tale of the tape of every candidate that there is to start at small forward. Love this. Strengths, weaknesses, why they should, why they shouldn't. Mm -hmm. We should start with the leader in the clubhouse, I think, and the guy who I think will start opening night at small forward next season, Will Barton. Yep. What was your impression of Will Barton's season? Obviously a disappointing one. Um, yeah, big time. The injury was big mm-hmm. at the beginning of the season, and 
I personally don't think he ever really got back 100% from that. What was just kind of your takeaway from his year? Yeah, totally. I mean, you know, I did grades for BSN Nuggets um, the entire season. And so after every game, I would fire up our in-house game log and look at the DPRs. And Barton's DPRs, the first two games, look so good. Mm -hmm. Then he gets injured and never found that form. Like, ever again. Maybe there was one of those four overtime periods against the Blazers where it was like, oh, Barton's back. He did have a nice game that night. And... But that was it. Like it was just a, a fading moment, uh, and I almost felt like he he was so much better coming off the bench, being that sixth man, kind of being that go-to score for the second unit. Um, and I'm intrigued by the fact that now there are many more options at the at the three, at least in in spot minutes, where you can. You know, you could bring Will off the bench or at least have him play more minutes with the bench unit and mix and match a little more. I mean, as deep as the team was last year, the depth this year feels so much. I mean, it's just at a whole other level, especially with these guys, you know, guys like Morris and Beasley having breakout seasons, Craig becoming more trustworthy, just adding Grant, adding Michael Porter Jr., all of a sudden the depth feels so much more real Mm -hmm. and uh, reliable than it was, you know, entering the season last year or even even last year once these guys had broken out because we had everyone had some up and down moments. The the injuries were certainly a factor. Uh, So I'm I'm just really intrigued by all the different options Michael Malone has. And sometimes there is such a thing as having too many options and messing things up. So it's going to be, this might be Michael Malone's toughest season in figuring this out. And it really starts at the three and how you mix and match at that spot, I think. Yeah, that's a good point. Is this his toughest job just in terms of doling out minutes and whatnot? Probably. At least in Denver. We, we've talked about every season how deep they are and how there's going to be a really good player who doesn't get minutes. Like we've said that every year. Yeah. Maybe it hasn't always been the case, but this year will definitely be the case where, where there's probably a guy who played very meaningful minutes for Denver at one point or two points or throughout the entire season mm-hmm. who's not going to get them this year. Yeah, def- I mean, I think that's, that's a must. That's going to happen no matter what. Mm-hmm. So yeah. correct me if I'm wrong, but you would not be opposed to Barton coming off the bench? I would actually prefer that. Okay, interesting. What do you think about that? I, I think Denver should definitely begin the year with him in the starting lineup. And I right. think something you said there is actually one of my arguments for it. Because what he did in those first two games in the starting lineup, when Great he point. was healthy, that's exactly the yeah. guy who he was last year. Yeah, And that was exactly the guy who the Nuggets thought they were getting this year. Right. Like in 2018, he had his best season of his career. He started 40 games that year and, you know, right. put up career high numbers. And then he picked yeah. up right where he left off in the first two games of this year. Mm-hmm. 19 points on really good efficiency in that opening night went over the Clippers. And then 14 points, 6 and 9 shooting, 2 of 4 from 3, 5 rebounds, 4 assists, and just 19 minutes against the Suns before he got hurt. So I know it's yeah. a super small sample and probably <laughs> right. something you shouldn't even take into account. But I do think it's significant because 
that was really the same guy who we saw in 2018. Yeah. And people have really forgotten how good he was and how good that starting lineup was two years ago. Here, here. Completely agree. So I am a fan of the Nuggets, and I think the Nuggets should begin the year with Will Barton at the three. You don't have to tie yourself to that throughout the entire season. Uh, But I've said it all summer, but I'm buying Will Barton stock. If you're selling it. Oh, you should. I think you would buy it at an all time low and it's bound to kind of regress back to the mean at least, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. Interesting. I, I could see that as that's kind of the default stance, you know, if nothing else, we need to give Will the, the ability to come back and show what he's got was, was 2019 an aberration or is this some sort of decline that was looming all along? Who knows? Yeah, it's. I think maybe people look at it as, you know, it's too easy to just point to the injury, mm-hmm. and he had like an entire year to come back from it. He gets injured in the second game of the season, doesn't come back until January. A lot of right. people would say January into the end of March or through the end of the playoffs. That should be enough time to Absolutely. get your legs back and get your rhythm back. Yeah, it probably should. Totally, uh, yes. It probably should be enough time to rediscover that form. Um, but, you know, every injury is different. And mm-hmm. you can say this was the first really major injury of his career. And yeah. it's a tough one to come back from in the middle of the season. So yeah. I'm willing to give him a little credit. Yeah, totally. And he does bring a different element than any of the other options we'll be talking about as the three, because I really like him as a secondary ball handler. Definitely. As a guy who can initiate the offense, can take a little bit of the pressure off of Jamal Murray and Jokic in initiating uh, some sets. And that's why I like him coming off the bench, too, because I think from time to time, he can he can do that same thing for Monty Morris and take mm-hmm. some of the load off of him and uh, you know and it's I like Jamal Murray being able to play off the ball from time to time and mm-hmm. just be a spot up shooter or get a few more ISOs and one on one shots you know I like that too uh, I like Murray off the ball you already get that with Jokic a little bit but if you have Barton out there as another guy who can play make and run pick and roll mm-hmm. you can really space the floor with that right here's my counter to having him as a ball handler off the bench. You ready? Let's hear it. It's that they needed him in that role yeah. before Monte Morris emerged. Yep. Because they didn't have a backup point guard for like two years. Yeah, right. So they needed him right. to be that guy. Yeah. They can still use him as a, a ball handler off the bench. And yeah, having him with, with Monte, two guys that can initiate, that's good. Uh, but there's way less of a need for that now, I think, than there was... Mm-hmm even last year, because we didn't know what Monte Morris was going to be last year. Yep. And definitely the year before. And also I would point to the Isaiah Thomas experiment and how yeah. the bench unit did not flow as seamlessly when Monte was playing off the ball. Yeah, But totally. to, to that, I think Barton and Morris would definitely be a better pairing than Thomas and Morris. <laughs> that goes without saying. Right. Do you think that was part of why he never got in a rhythm last year, though, was adjusting to Monte being there and having, like, a heightened role? Barton? Mm-hmm. Potentially. Yeah. Yeah, potentially. It's kind of uncharted territory for him. Right. Playing off the bench with the second unit with this current group and not having the ball in his hands most of the time. Right, because as just a spot-up shooter, I mean, he's not exactly a 3-and-D kind of guy. 
No, he he's a capable spot up guy, but he's not an Aaron Gomez. So, he's yeah, not right. your classic up and down knockdown guy. Yep. Um, yep. I think he's more of a rhythm guy than that. Yeah, totally. And even an off the dribble guy too. Yeah, he's exactly. Pretty good three point shooter off the dribble too. Right. Yeah. Um, like defensively, probably the other aspect of this we should talk about. Yeah. I think Barton is a good defender when he's really engaged and when he wants to be. Completely agree. I will always remember when the Nuggets played the Thunder last season, and it was towards the end of the year, I remember, when Barton was back and he was just really trying to find his rhythm. I think this was the game. He had 23 points on 9 of 16 shooting, and he held Paul George to 7 of 24 shooting. Uh, he still still scored twenty five points, but he definitely made life difficult for Paul George. Right, and twenty five off twenty four attempts. Yeah. Like I'll take that. And, and for the record, that was like the twentieth straight game the Nuggets have beat the Thunder. Nice. <laughs> I think it's more like five or six, but. Um, <laughs> and after that game, Michael Malone, you know, in classic Michael Malone fashion, goes on this like story about how Barton texted him the night before and said he wants to guard Paul George and of course it was a great story for that night and I think that's just an example of how he can be engaged when he wants to be yeah he's not though uh, and um he's been he was inconsistent on that end of the floor last mm-hmm. year and so he'll definitely have to be better defensively if he's yeah. gonna you know be a full-time starting yeah. three for the next three four years yeah well, I mean, Paul George is encouraging because that's now one of the the biggest problems in getting a top two seed in the West and, you know, really making a serious run mm-hmm. is they're going to need bodies to throw at guys like Paul George. Definitely. Uh, he's much more of a threat. And I'd say when Will Barton has that kind of challenge and as an on-ball defender, he, he can be pretty pretty darn good. It's, you know being engaged even when it's not a premier name um, and when he doesn't feel necessarily that challenge and as an off-ball defender, mm-hmm. you know, the hustling for, for the entire game. Right. Yeah, so I guess to kind of sum that up, I think he's going to start the year at the three with that starting lineup yeah. with Murray Harris, Millsap, Jokic. Mm-hmm. That can be a fluid situation for sure. And, you know, I would yeah. not be surprised – Man, I don't know which way to go on this. I'll say I won't be totally stunned if we're there at media day and Michael Malone says there's an open competition at small forward. Mm. I would not be stunned. Like, I I could see that happening. Where This happened actually a couple years ago when uh, they had that open, quote-unquote, open competition for starting point guard, but I think we all knew Jamal Murray was going to win it over... Emmanuel Moody and Jameer Nelson. <laughs> um, but I wouldn't be surprised if he's like, yeah, we have an open competition at the three, but in the back of his mind, like Will Barton begins that competition clearly as it's his job to lose. Right. Well, and I mean, Barton's one of Michael Malone's guys, mm-hmm. and like he knows how to push those buttons. Somewhat, I agree with you that. Know? So I would, if if he made that, it might not be so much a sign that it actually is an open competition, but it's more a sign of, okay, Michael Malone's trying to push some buttons and see how, how we'll react here. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, I could see that happening for sure. So that would be interesting to follow. Before we move on here, time to take a second and acknowledge Breckenridge Brewery. 
the official beer of BSN Denver. Breckenridge is the original Colorado beer. It was established in 1990 in Breckenridge, Colorado, right here. You've probably heard of their delicious vanilla porter, their oatmeal stout, most people's personal favorite, the world-famous Avalanche, which is their classic American amber ale. They just released a new beer called Strawberry Sky that you guys are going to love. For you beer enthusiasts out there, they're calling this a light-hearted Kolsch ale. But for those of you who have no idea what that means, it's a light, delicious summer beer that you've been looking for. I was up in Grand Lake over the weekend. Mm -hmm. Have you ever been up there? No, I haven't. Freaking beautiful. It's like a hidden gem in Colorado. I got to take the family. But anyways, nothing better than enjoying a Breckenridge Brewery Strawberry Sky on a pontoon boat in the middle of Grand Lake. Oh, wow. That sounds amazing. (laughs) So look for Strawberry Sky at your local liquor store or any other Breckenridge beer. Make sure you also look out for the Breckenridge event calendar on bsendenver.com. You'll be able to see all the events that we have planned, like the bar crawl that we're hosting with Breck Brewing. Mm -hmm. This Friday, the 26th, begins at 7.30 at Blake Street Tavern, then to Sports Column. Finishes up at Ice House. It's free. Yep. And you can hang out and play drinking games with all your favorite BSN Denver writers. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Nothing better than that, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So RSVP, uh, so you're on the list. And yeah, we'll see you out there on Friday. Moving on from Will Barton, the guy I kind of have penciled into this, I'm not going to call it a competition because they haven't said that yet, but Mm -hmm. this discussion about what happens at Small Forward. Torrey Craig, mainly because of what he did in the playoffs last year and and how he he really came on towards the end of that. And just, he's, you know what you're getting out of Torrey Craig. Mm -hmm. Um, What's your thoughts about him potentially starting? I mean, I think that could make a lot of sense in certain matchups. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't. I mean, I wouldn't be against a forty-forty type split of Craig starting forty games, Barton starting forty. Interesting. You know, like that makes sense. And I try. It, obviously, I'm a bit of a math nerd, um, so I I see this as a, somewhat of a mathematical problem. Where right now, if the starting lineup is the five. We assume they'll be Murray, Harris, Barton, Millsap, Jokic. You have three offensive-minded guys, two def- defensive-minded. Mm-hmm. When you switch Barton with, with Craig, then that equation gets switched to three defensive-minded and two offensive-minded. Mm-hmm. So depending on which way you want to go, you can kind of mix and match that way. And it's it should be a pretty seamless... You know, that's not, it's not like, oh, all of a sudden we're starting Jeremy Grant at the three. And yeah, it's three defensive minded and two offensive minded, but that only works for bigger lineups and stuff like that. Uh, it's, it's just more of a seamless transition, but it's more of a, you know, defensive oriented starting five rather than an offensive oriented starting five. Yeah. I like the idea of playing matchups. I don't know how big of a fan the Nuggets players would be of that. Players like have this weird thing where, they're super routine oriented. Yeah. Like I talked with Mason Plumley about this when we had him on the podcast last year. Uh, but like he eats the same meal, takes the same um, amount of like takes the same length of a nap after shoot around before games. 
Uh, like players are super routine oriented. Get to the gym at the same time, eat right. the same pregame meal, go out and do their warm-ups at the same time. Everybody in the league is like this. Right. And they also like to know when they're going to check into games and whatnot. Like, okay, I'm going in at the six-minute mark of every game. going, And then I'm coming out at the 10-minute mark of the second quarter. So I, I don't know. Like I feel like a lot of teams don't mix up their starting lineups too much. But the argument for Craig is what you just said, that yeah. defensively – He's the guy you want out there if you're playing a Houston, if you're playing yes, even a Golden State at times, if you're playing a Clippers, right, or maybe even the Lakers because the Nuggets don't have a ton of guys to stop LeBron James. Yeah, that's the best argument Craig has, and Craig, another Michael Malone guy yep. because of his defense. Yep, he's kind of been the safety blanket over the last couple of seasons. Mm-hmm. So I'd probably say he's got the second best chance to start. At least in my book. Yeah. Boy, so much of that depends on Porter. <laughs> <laughs> so much of that depends on Porter. But then, I mean, if Porter like jumped him, jumped Craig in the depth chart, then you're really kind of lacking for defensive help. Oh, yeah. Then you're just three, like, we're going to outscore you every night, and Mike Malone is going to pull out whatever <laughs> remaining hairs he has. Right, absolutely. And, I mean... And Craig's stock, I would buy Craig's stock as well because just as the West is evolving, once you add guys like LeBron James and Kawhi to the Western Conference in the last uh, 12 calendar months, essentially, a guy like Craig, just his value increases uh, exponentially because of that, you know? Yeah, 538 put out this stat. Did you see that new defensive stat they put out? No. It's kind of like a... uh I guess like a RPM, a DRPM type thing, uh-huh. but they called it Draymond, just kind of some acronym they came up with. Like they called that Carmelo stat, Carmelo. <laughs> but uh, anyways, Craig plays pretty well in it, being like the top 20 in the league. Well, it's not uh, bad. So I like him as a defender. I really like him on point guards. Uh, I think he uses his length yes. really well there. Yeah. Um, yeah. Defensively, that, that's his best argument. You know, if Denver can't stop anybody, maybe – that's a switch they look to at some point early on in the season. Yeah, and the other thing is, I mean, if his three-point shooting can stay consistent, you know, I mean, he shot 32% in the regular season, 47% in the postseason. Right. Well, he shot the ball pretty poorly over the first half of the year. Yeah. Then shot at 41% in March, 42% in April. So post-All-Star break, 41% from three, and obviously, like you said, really good in the playoffs. I don't know if he's a good shooter or not. Uh, yeah, truly, I have no clue. <laughs> like, I don't think he's a 40% three-point shooter. I don't think he's a no. 32% three-point shooter either. Like, maybe he's a 34, 35% three-point shooter. And he probably needs to be more in the 37% for him to... Yeah. Well, the other thing that's weird is, like, his... I mean, you we're talking about routine he'd go through stretches where he just wouldn't play. Right. And then next thing you know, he's in the starting lineup. Right. Like it was just so back and forth. Right. And with yeah. sh- it would make sense that his shooting would be streaking when like that's how you're utilized. Yeah, you're, your shooting might be streaky. I mean, that makes sense. It does make a little bit of sense. And I do wonder if he's a guy that maybe, like, not over the course of his career, because who knows what could happen, but maybe just in Denver, with this current iteration of the roster, he's a guy who doesn't play as much during the regular season. Yeah. And then you dust him off a little in the playoffs. 
You know, you, you dust them off when the series against Harden. Right. Well, and that's a great point is his ability to, to really be the on-ball defender and be an extremely valuable weapon in matchups against teams mm-hmm. like Houston. Jeremy Grant checks a couple of these boxes, and we'll talk about him in a few minutes. But yeah. Michael Malone said this last year just about – what he saw from Torrey Craig that first summer league and why he immediately knew that he could be a contributor. Mm-hmm. It was because Craig was really bringing some qualities to the table that like nobody else on that roster had. Yep. They didn't have that six, six guy who played defense. Right? Yeah, totally. Right. He just kind of filled a void void that they didn't have. And mm-hmm. to an extent they have Jeremy Grant now, but he still kind of does that. <laughs> right, absolutely. And I mean, those guys are valuable commodities everywhere in the NBA. It's why mm-hmm. Trevor Ariza will be employed basically in, in perpetuity. Yeah. Um, and guys like Carmelo Anthony are out of the league. Mm-hmm. Craig is capable enough offensively, I think, to still be yeah. on the floor with, say, that starting group, for example, with Jokic, with Murray, and keep that machine going. Yep. But the offense just still, it, it doesn't click like it can yeah, when totally. he's out there. Right. Like he's just not the natural Jokic ball mm-hmm. slash Nuggets equal opportunity offense guy that right. a few of these other guys are. Right. Like he can run the floor. He can be a streaky shooter. He'd need to be a little more like embrace that Gary Harris type of moving off the ball and yeah. finding the back screens that Jokic can just like dish out easy buckets to. Right. I've seen him make some strides in that regard. Right. Um, right. He's obviously not at a Gary Harris level, though. Yeah. Let's hit a break real quick. Got to get to the four other contenders, the four other guys we're going to talk about here. Malik Beasley, Wancho, Michael Porter, Jeremy Grant. How did those guys stack up? Yeah. We'll be right back. Green Mountain Dental Group is a family-owned business that has been a staple in Lakewood for over 40 years. Whether it's cosmetic, oral surgery, or preventative dentistry, at Green Mountain Dental Group, you will find nothing but the best. We have chosen Green Mountain Dental and will continue to attend Green Mountain Dental because of the superior care that we receive from them. Their facility is amazing, and above all, it's the personal touch that we receive from the people there, including Dr. Ben Jr. and Anne and Mary and Sherry and Marie. They've known me was my husband, my children, and now my grandchildren, and are just incredible with all of us. That was Annette. She's been a patient at Green Mountain Dental Group since 1976 and truly loves their service. Never did I think in 1976 how blessed we would be to recognize the people at Green Mountain Dental and are so thankful that they have been a part of our lives. For all new patients, Green Mountain Dental Group offers free teeth whitening trays when you schedule a cleaning x-ray and exam. Just mention BSN Denver. Welcome back to the BSN Nuggets podcast. As always, presented by The Green Solution. Make sure you guys go to mygreensolution.com. Use code BSN20 for 20% off your entire purchase. On a Tuesday, Harrison Wind here alongside Andre Simone. Touched on Will Barton, touched on Torrey Craig, why both those guys could make a case as a starting small forward. I think that guy's going to be Barton on opening night. We'll see what happens from there on out, but I think Denver will start the year with Barton. Next up, I'm going to say Malik Beasley, and um, not a natural three by any means, like I'd say Torrey Craig is, but man, a guy who just 
really broke out last year, and mm-hmm. I definitely changed my thinking about him long term after what I saw last season. Like, I think he is just really only starting to crack the ceiling of what he's capable of. What was just kind of your impression of his season last year? Yeah, he uh, he broke out. He was phenomenal in stretches. Uh, his the the upside he has and the all around ability that he has. You know, that athleticism, the shooting stroke when it's on, the fact that he can run up and down the floor, can create a little off the dribble, at least create his own shot off the bounce. I think there's a little defensive upside as well. Um, Yeah, he's intriguing, especially with the fact that wings are at a premium in today's NBA. So having a guy like that that's still so young and still has that kind of upside is really fascinating. But I think we've kind of talked about this somewhat last year is Beasley... Beasley will go as far as his three-point shot will take him, basically. And if last year was any indication, he will go a long ways. <laughs> yeah, right, right. 40% from three last year. He was yeah, elite. Not bad. An elite shooter. Mm-hmm. Does Still had some stretches where it was like, ah, he's off a little. But For I mean, sure, particularly at the beginning of the year. Right. He gains more consistency there. Watch out. I mean, the sky's the limit. Does Malik Beasley have a higher ceiling than Gary Harris? <sighs> oh, my gosh. Wow. I'll say yes. I mean, just purely ceiling, yeah. And Gary Harris's floor is probably two tiers higher than Beasley's. Definitely. Um, I mean, Gary just has the defense right now that... 100%. Malik is not at that level. Can he get to that level? Yeah. I'm curious to see, like how big of a stride he takes when it comes to just his basketball IQ, offensive and defensive awareness this year. That's that's my biggest thing for him mm-hmm. because Gary just right now really trumps him in that area. Yeah. Uh, so, like, my overall thoughts on Beasley, uh, why he could be a starter for this team, maybe at the three. Mm-hmm. He was really good in the starting lineup last year. Yep. Like, started 18 games, averaged – 18 plus points a game in That's crazy. when he was a starter. Yeah. So he definitely showed he can produce in the starting lineup. I've said this before, but if he was on, I don't know, the Charlotte Hornets right now, probably could average 20 points a game next year. Yeah. Like maybe in his sleep. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I agree. Like the sky's the limit for him. And it's tough because last year, here's the thing last year was the first year, and he's been in the league three years now mm-hmm. it's not like last year was his rookie season or even his second season right. last year in his third year in the league is the first time where he really played a consistent role yeah like yep. okay i'm gonna play at least 20 minutes off the bench every game right. he did that at times in 2018 right. but not nearly at the level he did last year and i yep. think that was a bit telling because maybe we saw all right now that this guy you know is in the lineup every day and, and has that level of comfort he'll really start to produce. Yeah. Uh, It sounds like you are, and rightfully so, really high on Beasley. I'm very high on Beasley. Like, if in in a world where you don't have to worry about trades or guaranteed money or just, you know, beyond fantasy basketball, like truly fantasy basketball, Mm -hmm. would you just take Barton's money and give it to Beasley right now? Would I take Barton's money? Oh, yeah. So I'd have Beasley under that contract yeah. for the next three seasons? Right. Definitely. And Definitely. no Barton. Like, basically, you, you cut Barton, just give his money to Beasley. Probably. 
you'd sign up for that. Yeah. Jeez, I think I probably would too. Yeah. I mean, you'd like having both those guys, but I do feel like with as much depth that the Nuggets have on yeah. the wing, mm-hmm. it might have hindered Beasley's development a little bit. I think that's a really fair point. Because we saw last year what he could do with consistent minutes, and, and the no. depth they've had there hasn't really prevented that from happening. Maybe he wasn't ready for that before last year. You know, Maybe totally. that was the case. Totally. Uh, but... Man, you just really saw last year what what this guy can do at just 22 years old. We forget that because he has been in the league. He will be 23 next season in in November. So next year will be his 23-year-old season. Uh, But, yeah, to your previous point, I'm very high on on Malik Beasley. Right. I mean, as well you should be. I mean, I think the, the potential is undeniable. Yeah. I still felt like last year... He didn't have that level of trust with Michael Malone that a yeah. guy like Tory Craig had. Right, right. And the reason for that, uh, I'm I'm guessing it's on the defensive end of the floor. Absolutely. Beasley can be a really good defender, but he just hasn't shown that consistency on defense that Tory yeah. Craig has. That that's my guess for why there was that. Right, and I think you know Barton being one of his guys, probably a little more trust with Barton too. Mm-hmm. But he really is offensively a more seamless fit because he's, I'd argue, a more consistent shooter and Definitely. a guy who can, you know, just take those spot-up shots uh, a little more seamlessly. As we were talking about Barton, Mar- Barton's more of a creator and off-the-ball shooter mm-hmm. than just the guy who's going to spot up and take open jumpers that way. Right. Um, That's a good point. And, you know, I mean, Beasley flying up and down the court, like... Sign me up. Oh, he, I mean, talk about transition players. I have that. Right. Those images of him with those two, like, tomahawk dunks against mm-hmm. the Rockets from last right. year burned into my brain. Yeah. Easily the best dunker on the squad, right? Yeah. Not sure it's all that close. Yeah. Who else would it even be? Jamal Murray claimed that he would beat Beasley in a dunk contest setting, but that. I think yeah, even well, he conceded that Beasley's the better in-game dunker. In-game dunker, yes. Dunk contest dunker, I don't know. Yeah, who knows? Gary Harris, I've always said he's an underrated athlete. I wouldn't be surprised if he had like the highest vertical on the team. Yep. But yep. he's not a finesse, creative dunker. Totally, right, right. I'd probably go Beasley I in a dunk contest. Maybe Jeremy Grant gets added to Oh, yeah, I forgot about Jeremy Grant. Yeah. Yeah, maybe actually, maybe Grant pushes Beasley now. Yeah, that's not as easy a, a comp as I just made it out to be when I first asked this question. <laughs> so, it, does his size concern you? Do you feel like Beasley could start at the three only in small ball lineups, or you think he could be a regular at the three regardless of that? Probably not a regular. He's listed at six five. Yeah, um, I was looking up the wingspan. I think like six, six and a half, something really? like that. That's short. Hmm. Maybe I'm, even I'm in the sure. six sevens. Let me look that up again. I'm not sure. Yeah, I think he's too small to start there full time. Uh, he's a natural too in my book. And like Tory Craig listed at six seven. I don't think he's six seven, like six five, six six. Maybe he's even a little small, but right. He's more of a natural three in my book than Beasley. Yeah. Beasley's six seven wingspan, according to 
Wow, that's a lot shorter than I thought. Draft Express, R.I.P. Draft Express. Um, <laughs> Inter- yeah, it's a lot shorter than I thought. Yeah, you would have thought longer than that. Because Tory Craig's wingspan is definitely more than two inches taller than his height. Right. And that and also helps him out on the defensive. I was looking up Barton before this because I'm a nerd, and I think he's got a 6'9 wingspan or just over 6'9 mm. as well. Interesting. So lengthwise, he is easily the, the shortest of this entire list. Right. Yeah, I think he's best at the two. He can play three like he did last year uh, against certain teams for sure. Mm-hmm. Definitely best at the two, though. Yeah. The biggest thing I'm looking for him, I'm looking for from him next season, though, is like, does he take that jump in terms yeah. of the game really slowing down for him? Right. And we see strides from him as an off-ball guy. Yep you know, kind of taking after Gary Harris on the offensive end yep. and just becoming a smarter defender. That's really what Absolutely. I'm looking for from him. Yep, 100%. More creation would be nice. Like, great, more of the pick and roll. Great, Denver doesn't really need right. those creators. Nope. I'm looking for those kind of little things. Totally. Well, what's interesting, we've talked about three guys, two of which are probably better suited at the two than the three. Agreed. Which is like, it's fine. We're in a positionless era of basketball, but when you have to guard LeBron James and Paul George and uh, Kawhi and, you know, even Ingles Bogdanovich, that's kind of a bigger forward combo. Um, Definitely. I mean, yeah, those are two threes. Totally. So, I mean, you know, it's, you do need kind of a little more size at three, right? Yeah. Those are who were threes and now they're pretty much four and fours. And now, like Bogdanovich at six, nine, six, ten, he's even a lot bigger than a lot of stretch fours. 100%. So, with that size, enter Grant and Michael Porter Jr., right? Yeah. Yeah. Right, right. So, let's, let's save Porter and Grant. Let's hit on Wancho real quick before we take yes, another break. Please. Um Wancho probably other than Jeremy Grant, the least likely to start the three. But <sighs> you forget Wancho. here's what you forget about Wancho. He played in seventy games last year and he started twenty five. Crazy. A lot of those were at the beginning of the season. So early, right. Right. And, um, I mean, he had his moments for sure. Like, I'll, I'll never forget that Golden State game from early in the year when he had that game-winning block and, you know, played well on, on the offensive end. He had some moments for sure. He's at his best against the Warriors. That's <laughs> <laughs> insane. Warriors killer. The, uh, exactly, yes. The case for Wancho, it, it would probably be if, if you're just – looking for offense and if you're under the impression that Jamal Murray next season is just going to take a huge leap in usage yep. and you really just need a guy on that starting group to be spotting up. Yep. That's probably the case for Wancho because out of all these guys, it's either him or Malik Beasley, who's the best pure shooter. Mm-hmm. And I would have said Wancho is a better pure, sh- pure shooter than Beasley before last year. Yeah. Now they're probably in a similar tier. Yep. That's probably the argument for Wancho now. Especially as a spot up. Gives you more rebounding than probably anyone we've talked about thus far. That's a good point. Yeah. And you're not losing too much in your ability to run up and down the floor with Wancho. Mm-hmm. But yeah, little. I mean, let's let's be honest. He's 
probably a, a, another not not the most natural fit at the three because he's really a, he's a small ball four. Maybe yeah. not even a small ball. He's just a four. Mm-hmm. And defensively, you lose a lot with him too. You do. He's the one guy out of these four who, I mean, he on one hand he never has had the chance to really. Yeah. Maybe in spots, but he just hasn't yeah. shown that consistent defensive presence. Yep. That's what the Nuggets would really need from him if he's going to be a starter. Well, I mean, good good athlete, good effort. It's just like it's so hard to guard the elite threes in this league. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's for no fault of his own. Like he's like most mere mortals. He's not going to be able to guard Paul George or... Kawhi or LeBron and, you know, on down that list. And while at least Beasley's got a little more upside there, Craig's got got the defensive chops. Barton, when engaged, can do a little more. So he's, he's losing out to those guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wancho is taller than you think. I, yeah. I always notice this in the locker room, but he's a legit 6'10", mm-hmm. I think. Uh, and I think that length yeah. should, in theory, be able to help him out there. Now, does he have the foot speed and whatnot? Right, yeah. exactly. Who knows? You do also wonder if he'll come back. Well, he will come back a lot healthier next season. Yeah. Because he had that off-season se- surgery. You wonder how much that hindered him this year. I don't know the answer to that. I feel like yeah. it must have hindered him some. But I, I really am taking a shot in the dark. On, like, I, I don't know. Right. I don't know how much it affected him last year. That's a great point. I mean, because early in the year when Barton and Harris were out, he had some stretches where it was like, wow, look out, Juancho's here. Oh, yeah. 27 points against the Spurs in December mm-hmm. when he went 6-7 from 3. Yeah, when he's on, he's on. It's just that's happened like a handful of times like in his yeah. entire career. Yeah. Yeah. So... Uh, don't really see a path for Wancho. 20 points against the Pelicans, 7-12 from the field, 4-6 from three. 25 points against the Hawks, 9-12 from the field. Is he our Anthony Davis killer? <laughs> Do you remember this Hawks game? This was the Hawks game where Denver shot, like, I want to say 70% or something in the first half. Oh, wow. Yeah, they ended the game oh, wow. 56.5% from the field. Jeez. They scored, like, 73 points in the first half or something. That's insane. Poor Atlanta. Oh, you love uh, mid-December basketball against the Hawks. Oh, yeah. Hawks and Hawks and Suns just killing them up and down, especially early in this season. That was a beauty. All right, before we move on to these final two names that I want to touch on, got to tell you guys about Strava Craft Coffee, the game-changing coffee. Strava Craft Coffee is the CBD-enriched coffee that has really changed lives. Their reviews are incredible. Make sure you check these guys out. This CBD-infused coffee has taken away long-term migraines, back pain, arthritis, IBS. It's helped to decrease anxiety. You name it. CBD is also all-natural, not psychoactive. The coffee is rich and tasty. We couldn't recommend it anymore to our listeners. Check it out for yourself today and receive 20% off when you use the code BSN2019, BSN2019 at checkout. You'll get it shipped straight to your door. All right, let's talk about the guy everybody's probably probably been waiting for us to talk about. Michael Jeremy Porter Grant? Jr. Oh. <laughs> well, him too. Him nah. too. Well, let's start with Michael Porter Jr. Yeah. The super dark horse guy of this group, a guy who I could definitely see being in the opening night rotation off the bench, and then depending on how things go, maybe at the All-Star break, he's the starting three. 
That's a lot of speculating, but sure is. based on what you hear from the team, that doesn't sound outlandish. Michael and Porter at the three, what do you think about that? He's interesting because when I watched him, when I've watched high school tape of his, he plays more like a two, and then when you look at him on paper, should be more of a natural fit as the four. So we're kind of splitting the difference and saying, well, actually, he should be a three. He should be, you know, in the best case scenario, he should be a three and kind of like a, a lesser version of Kevin Durant or maybe a, a lesser defensive version of Kevin Durant. Is the, is, that's the best case scenario. Yeah, and based on what you hear out of Pepsi Center, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've said this on the podcast before, <laughs> but that's uh, based on what you hear you can envision a scenario where he's the starting small forward, right? I mean, that'd be an amazing... That That's the best case scenario for the right. Nuggets, right? So in preseason play, and the Nuggets preseason schedule just dropped four games. At Portland on October 8th, they open up. Could be Michael Porter Jr.'s Nuggets debut. Will, will likely be his Nuggets debut as long as he's healthy. Going back to where he performed so well in some of those all-star games as a Ooh. high school senior. Interesting. Yeah. Right. The site of the Nike Hoop Summit. That's exactly right. Interesting. Yeah. Part of the hype building for him. For sure. So, y yeah, with Porter, like, i am always been operating under the assumption throughout this summer, like, I, I got to see it before I believe it. I've just got to see it. I've uh, got to see him on the floor wearing a white Nuggets jersey or a blue one or a rainbow one. There you go. Yeah, I you're such a it. scorned lover right now. You just don't know, huh? I want to believe it because people that won't bullshit to you around the team yeah. are saying what I was just saying. Like, he looks amazing. I mean, that's what you hear. That's what even, you know, plugged-in national guys will, will hint to that, that the— the Nuggets really seem to believe he could be that that third star potentially that just vaults the team to that next yeah. level. I mean, so much, even though he's just this lottery ticket, so much kind of depends on him working out. That's can crazy. You, can you imagine if he does become this player that some think he looks like now and will become and... Uh, all the 12 teams it was who passed on him in the draft are, are like looking at their team doctors with this side eye like, bro, what? <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Um, well, what were you saying? <laughs> Especially the Clippers who passed on him twice. I was going to say the Clippers, that'd be one that would sting so much. Because yeah. you know giving up Shea Gill just really killed him. Right, what if they just had Porter in their back pocket still? Right. Instead of Jerome Robinson, is it? Yeah, Jerome Robinson, who I never liked for the record. No, I mean, the guy's old. Come on. <laughs> yeah. Man. Or, or or like the Hornets, who took Malik Monk, who I still like. Or Cleveland, who now has two-point guards, yeah. and we don't really know if either of them is good. <laughs> right, or... right. A anyways, like, I can't see Porter beginning the year there just because there's so many other quality candidates. Like, we've pretty much talked about I, I think Barton and Craig would clearly be the move before Porter would be mm -hmm. um I, I don't know about Wancho or Beasley but yeah and I still don't think the Nuggets want to throw too much at them too fast they definitely don't want to do that like they've 
been really slow playing his whole development since they drafted him. Yeah, I mean, it's such a huge step up. There's mm-hmm. no point in throwing him in the starting lineup. I, he's trying to find I, I feel like we could have made this case a lot better, and he would have a much more likely or more of a likely chance to be there if he had actually played a summer league. I know. If he had yeah. actually played in a game, because now I think it's at 17 months or, or just over 16 months since he's played in an actual game. Does that include that little stint he had in the SEC tournament? Yeah, since uh, March of Jeez. 2018. That's insane. So a full year plus April, May, June, July, 16 months. And if months. you take those games away where he was maybe at best 50%, yeah, it's been... Oh, then over twenty four. Then putting the clock forward to at the beginning of the season, then it would be twenty four. Wow! And even at this rate, August, September, October, oh, it's going to be about nineteen. Right. That's a Crazy. long time. Yeah. Nineteen months ago. I mean, <laughs> twelve months ago, the Nuggets thought Isaiah Thomas was going to be their backup point guard the whole year. Yeah. Time flies. Oh, a lot sure can does. happen in a little bit amount of time. Sure does. So uh, Porter, I think they'll continue to slow play him, and then I'll be interested to see what happens after the clock or after the calendar flips to 2020. Yep. Yep. That's all I'll be interested in. Well, and that's with Porter at the three. That's the all-in on offense lineup. Oh, God, yeah. It eliminates the size concerns that we have with anyone we've talked about that wasn't Juancho but it's just all in on offense. And also Porter, in theory, and based on what you see from him when you watch him shoot at practice mm-hmm. and before games, mm-hmm. he could be the spot-up shooter that a Beasley is, that a Wancho is. He can be right. that level of a catch-and-shoot right. guy as well. Well, and that's why he's so intriguing because offensively it could be that like Durant-type stud where it's like he fits in seamlessly. He can get 20 without really affecting the usage or the numbers of anyone else on the team because he's just got that game that can be so efficient. Right. (sighs) Let's move on to the final guy I've got here. Yeah. The newest member of the Denver Nuggets. Mm -hmm. Jeremy Grant, who Denver acquired from Oklahoma City, Mm -hmm. which thinking back to it, was that the first domino to fall from the Thunders? kind of salary-shedding summer. In the the aftermath of the Paul George trade? Oh, right. It was after the Paul George trade. Paul George started it all. Right. Never mind. Uh, Yeah, Jeremy Grant, who I think is a natural four and will play a lot, mostly four. Mm -hmm. Uh, Even some small ball five. But I feel like we should talk about him a, a little bit here. Last year with Oklahoma City, according to basketball reference, which isn't perfect, but it at least gives us an estimate, 99% 99% of his minutes at power forward, 1% of his minutes at center. In 2018, 81% of his minutes at power forward, 17% of his minutes at small forward, 2% of mm-hmm. his minutes at center. Mm-hmm. But take a look at this. 2017, 54% of his minutes at power forward, 44% of his minutes at small forward. I mean, I think he can kind of do it. He can definitely do it on the defensive end where I, I – I've watched his video a couple times, but there was this matchup with Milwaukee last season. Mm-hmm. Right, the John Giannis game. You put that in one of your pieces. I yeah, and, and he it was a team effort, of course, on Giannis. Paul right, George right. played his part. Uh, but he really helped shut or really limit Giannis in that game. And he's going to be a guy who, on the defensive end, will play some three against Paul George, against yeah. Kawhi, against right. LeBron. Right. 
Right. And so from a defensive standpoint, he'll be able to play some three in some lineups. But offensively, I, I don't see it. No, I mean, what would be your concern offensively? Because I think that with Jokic, the beauty is you don't really need a conventional offensive three. You can kind of make him work because he's just spotting up in the corners or he's in the dunker spot. Yeah. So you, then you're worried that the paint is too clogged with both Millsap and Jokic on the court with Grant. Yeah, I guess my most of my concerns probably come from I just haven't really seen him play in this type of system. Fair. The Thunder system and the Nuggets right. offensive system couldn't be more different. Mm-hmm. And it's funny, this is actually something that a, a couple people, Michael Malone and maybe Tim Connell even hit on in his introductory presser. And Michael Malone was like, like, I don't want to talk bad about the Thunder, but <laughs> right, right. they didn't really use you well at all. Right. Yeah. Hey, I mean, <laughs> and so like, will he be able to really move off ball and cut and whatnot? Like, here's the thing. Here's another concern. I can't see Jeremy Grant running a dribble handoff with Nicole Jokic. Can you? Maybe I haven't watched him closely enough over the last two years. Maybe I'll look like an idiot. I mean, later how hard on the season it to take the ball at the top of the paint and hand it off to Jokic. Couldn't I do that? No, I'm saying I can't see him like dribbling like into right, the handoff right, and, right. and taking it off Jokic's no, shoulder fair. and attacking the paint with his left hand. Fair. I can't see that. Fair. Uh, like obviously he's not a creator. It's not very important in Denver's offense per se for him. But that's a good point. You know, I just can't see that aspect of his offensive game really enabling him to play a ton of three. Talking out, thinking out loud here, could he work in a lineup where it's Murray, Barton's the two, Grant is the three, Millsap's the four, Jokic is the five? Is that doesn't really change anything. Millsap, Grant, and Jokic on the floor together? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like you might run into those same issues. Yeah, I guess so. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I think he gives Denver a lot of versatility. For sure. I like him in lineups with uh, Craig as well. Yeah, like Murray, Harris, Craig, Grant, Jokic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Murray, Harris, Barton, Grant, Jokic. I love Grant and Jokic. I do too. I think that lineup is combination is just going to pop from day one. Totally. And I do think what Grant does, he will allow Denver to load manage the heck out of Paul Millsap. Like... Yeah, he oh, will allow great point. Denver to play Paul Millsap like 25 minutes a game, which yep. is probably what they should do this next season. Yep. And, yeah, play him 30-plus minutes a game when they need to, but also on nights against the Hawks, they probably don't need to play him 30 minutes a game, and Jeremy no, Grant can take those minutes. I, I think that's going to be a huge kind of luxury the Nuggets will have next season with Absolutely. them. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I like him at the three. And, you know, just like we were talking about, Beasley at the three is for small ball lineups. Grant at the three is for bigger lineups. So I don't know. Maybe in some occasions against Houston that could work. And, or, no, I'm sorry, not Houston. Um, the Clippers? I'm thinking of Utah. Oh, Utah. And even the Lakers. I mean, the Lakers could skew kind of big with Davis, Kuzma, and LeBron at like the one. Yeah. Right. To where that could kind of work too. But 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, I mean, again, you're playing the matchups. Yeah. And I hope the Nuggets can be, like, Nuggets players can be flexible to allow Malone to to just play the matchups. And, you know, because as much as they like their routine, so do their opponents. So when you're throwing different matchups at them they're not expecting and you're mixing and matching a little more and you're doing that kind of stuff, it's it's going to be to the Nuggets' benefit. And the kind of the underlining theme of this that we haven't mentioned is... I mean, for a spot that's a question mark to have like five potential options, that's nothing to sneeze at. That's that's a big difference from two years ago being like kind of stuck with Wilson Chandler. Mm-hmm. Denver's definitely got options. Yeah, it's a beautiful thing. I did have one more question for you. Corey, mm. a, a loyal listener of the podcast, hit me on my email. He asked me what will define this Nuggets season. What will define this Nuggets season? Will just success define this Nuggets season? I feel like that's how most seasons are defined, especially for teams that are building towards championship aspirations. It's not so. I don't think that so much is going to be about internal growth this year. Like you could say that about the last couple of years, success would be everybody getting better and Denver having a clear path to the future. Mm-hmm. Now I think Denver has entered into a results-based yeah. Yeah. timeline. Now the Nuggets' success is going to be dependent on their result. And so I think interesting success for this year, Western Conference Finals will define success. I, I think you could talk yourself into – you know, them going, what, seven games with the Clippers in the conference semifinals like they did last year against the Blazers mm-hmm. and just losing a, a really tough series to them or to the Lakers if, if they really pop this year, if the Rockets situation really works out and they oh. emerge as a, as a you know force. If Denver doesn't get to the conference finals and loses to one of those teams in the semis you can say that is success but overall I think success will be defined by how far they go in the playoffs and I think conference finals is it's conference finals or bust I think or bust yeah so if if they lose the Clippers in the second round do you think that's not a successful season I think that'd be a disappointment this time around yeah yeah, I think I think maybe what I would say, and sticking with the theme of this pod, is uh, what will define this season is being able to exploit that depth and that depth not being a hindrance. Mm-hmm. You know, with the additions of Grant and Michael Porter Jr. and figuring out how does Mason Plumley still fit in, and can uh, he play the three? <laughs> Did we forget? Uh, you his told name me. In this discussion? <laughs> Yeah, reaching, reaching there. Um, Just trying to get him on the floor, Andre. Absolutely. I hear you. Um, But that's going to be a real challenge for Malone, you know, and that might truly end up defining their season. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that's all we got for today. Thanks for coming on, Andre. Uh, Always a pleasure. We'll have you on a lot more throughout the summer. Love it. And we'll be back with another episode tomorrow. Talk to you guys then. 
Frosted Leaf is Denver's most innovative dispensary. What I like about Frosted Leaf would probably be their knowledgeable bud tenders, their online kiosk, their online ordering, and then just pick up at the store. And then they're always getting new genetics as well, so that's always cool. Like Edgar mentioned, Frosted Leaf gives you no lines, no weight, and a self-paced direct shopping experience that allows a fast yet comfortable transaction without the awkwardness of a waiting room. Not only does Frosted Leaf have the hottest strains, but they also offer a rewards program that will help towards your purchases. I would recommend Frosted Leaf to a friend and I would tell them to look forward to different strains and to knowledgeable help. Check out Frosted Leaf's three Denver locations and download their app today.